Dear Father, it's true that we do serve a God who does abundantly above our asking, who anticipates, who knows beforehand, and yet waits till we come and ask in our weakness, in our fear, in our trembling, in our doubting, and then answers in thine own perfect way. We thank thee, Lord, for that. We've seen it. We've seen our own faithlessness and thy faithfulness. And dear Father, we know that thou dost expect us to grow from this, from answered prayer, from acts of of mercy and kindness that thou hast worked in the lives of others and in our own lives to learn to trust thee more, to learn to depend on thee. Help us to do that even this morning hour as we depend on thee for the filling of thy spirit, for the uh, inspiration to speak to us, each one of us, individually, as we need, in a special way, as we gather in thy name. Dear Father, we thank thee for this opportunity. We don't want to take it for granted. We realize that these moments are indeed precious. This is not just another Sunday. This is not just another gathering in this church. This is a moment in time. Dear Father, we thank thee for this word, and we ask a blessing on it as we open it. And we thank thee for the wonderful news we've heard this morning, the different prayers that have been answered in our Uh, dear sister and dear brother's lives and we pray for the needs that are present here and now the 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 prayers that in some way have not been answered yet dear father but in in another way have already been answered as we wait and depend on thee and wait for thy timing we pray for those needs now this morning also we pray this in jesus name amen I spent 10 minutes this morning looking for my phone <laughs> while we, before we left for church, and uh, here it is in my Bible, sorry. <laughs> there you go. That's true. Uh, this morning's meditation, I would like us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Before we start reading, though, I'd like to, to maybe share a few thoughts um, why the Lord led me to this passage and perhaps what will show us through this. Um, I think this, this time, this pandemic time, has been a bit of a, a testing of our bonds in Christ, our, um, as this chapter describes, the body of Christ and, and the, the bonds that we have one with, it, with another. Um, it's kind of led me in some ways in that last little while to, to evaluate how much do I desire the, uh, the fellowship and the working of the Spirit among my brothers and sisters and myself. Kezia and I, we've kind of come to realize through this pandemic time, we have three small kids at home and um, we're both kind of homebodies in some way. We were content to be home, and the, the kids, they fill the time, and it's busy, and uh, life is full, uh, even just being at home. And, you know, um, in some ways, you look at, well, the service, it's, it's very convenient, it's online, and, and uh, we have that little allotted time, and then we can continue on uh, with what we're doing. And, and um, part of us, you know, as, I, as we were sharing those thoughts and thinking, yeah, we are both kind of homebodies, and this hasn't been too bad for us, Another part of me was thinking, how much do I desire 
the, the fellowship and the working of the spirit among the different members, to see that and to have it increase and um, manifest itself more and more. God's spirit is given to each one of us individually and he is to abide with us always in all circumstances. But this scripture and many others in the New Testament show that there is a, um, a special manifestation and a working of God's spirit as we interact with each other, as we, as we gather together, um, as we one-on-one or in a group. So it kind of led me to, to um, ask those questions. You know, do, on one hand, physically, emotionally, my, my needs seem to be met. Um, you know, do I prefer this more convenient? Well, we have our services and then the time. And I'm not meaning to minimize in any way how the Spirit has worked during this pandemic. It's been amazing to me to see through the medium of, of, of the internet that we have been able to have real and genuine services, real and genuine teaching and fellowship even. But it's felt constrained. I think we would all admit that, that there, there's a limit to that. And this question that been, has been going through my mind the last couple of weeks is a question obviously that start, started ever before the pandemic. Um, as I considered my life in this fellowship and our, you know, our fellowship as, as a church here in Toronto, how much do we desire the working of God's spirit and, and a closer, uh, deeper walk with each other? Um, so my, my purpose this morning is not to, I don't think it's the spirit's this purpose this morning to induce guilt in anyone in terms of uh, guilt you into thinking, well, you've been neglecting the church the past several months uh, shame on you. Uh, there's obviously been uh, barriers in place with good reason. There's been health concerns, and, and uh, we don't want to be cavalier about any of that and ignore any of that or disregard the, the clear directions from the authorities. But I think we need to stir up within ourselves a hunger, a hunger for the working of God's Spirit among us. I think. Maybe, as the, as the brother was sharing this morning with, just be, with me just before the services, this, this time alone uh, in the pandemic has been good if we've taken advantage of it for personal reflection and personal uh, digging deeper into God's word and, and uh, reading and, and praying. I hope it has been good for, for that for all of us. And I look at myself, it could have been more. I could have spent more time. I, I, you know, I, I didn't have so many excuses. But coming out of that now, do we want to stir up that hunger within us for a deeper uh, fellowship with each other and a working of God's spirit as laid out here in, 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 the, in God's plan for us in the New Testament? Um, you know, the church, the concept of the church, I I'm, was pleased to hear that the, the, the young girls and, and sisters in the church are doing a Bible study and um, I'm not privy to, I know Kezia's part of it, I'm not privy to the contents, and you don't need to work, worry about it. Your discussion is completely confidential, but I do know that you are studying the book of Ephesians. And I think that's, that's wonderful, because Ephesians gives you a, a, a God's plan for the church, what he has planned. His, his plan for the church isn't just some sort of subset of humanity that's saved, this idea of we have a group of people that are Christians and then a group of people that are not, and that's, the, that's just the definition of the church. It's so much more glorious than that. It's so much more, um, uh, such a bigger plan than that. And all through Ephesians, as you've encountered already in, in, in chapter one of Ephesians, uh, where 
Christ is the fullness, uh, that he is the head over all things to the church, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I mean, that's a statement that I'm still trying to unwrap and, and understand. What does that mean? Christ, God has put Christ as head over everything to the church. I, I don't even know if I completely understand that too, that simple two-letter word, to the church, the fullness of the church, i.e., is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So just an amazing statement there in chapter 1. And then chapter 2 talks about this division of, of, uh, of the Jew and Gentile has been dissolved. And this is God's plan in the church that these divisions, we heard Brother Edmund in a, in a recent sermon about that. God's plan of one blood, he has made all men to dwell. Uh, and the church is supposed to manifest that in a special way to, to watching people around them. Uh, Chapter 3, uh, I need a memory aid here, which is the Bible. Right. I mean, where do you pick up? In these, in these passages, the, the chapter 3 of Ephesians, that, that uh, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without him. And this special manifestation of God's plan all along in Christ, kind of, it, 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 it bears its fruit in the church. God's, Christ's work of salvation manifests itself in the church. And it's not just this subset, yes, we are the saved ones and that's it. Um, as you see all throughout chapter 4, too, this, this uh, chapter 5, walking in love, um, there is so much, your members one of another, um, don't lie to each other because your members one of another, chapter 5, chapter 6. Anyway, I, my intention in this wasn't to give you the whole overbook of the, uh, overview of the book of Ephesians, but was to point out that even in, in a, an epistle like that, you get a sense of God's plan for the church. My purpose this morning, though, I think, is to focus on this 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what God would have us learn from that and stir up that hunger within us for his spirit to work in us. So let's, let's read the entire chapter. It's, a, it's a, a, a lengthy, more lengthy chapter, but it's all of a piece. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have ye, you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And here, profit with all means for everyone to profit, so that all would profit. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. 
to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And where one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I you a more excellent way. I've read to the end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. May the Lord bless the reading of the word. So let's step through this chapter a little bit, section by section, and try to understand what the, the Spirit is speaking and then reflect a little bit what it means to us. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Now, uh, this is a, a form of address. We've, we've mentioned this before, but it seems like the apostle is addressing specific questions that the, the church in Corinth is asking. And if you go back to the previous chapters, it seems sort of like Paul had to address all the carnal issues first, the divisions, the, the gross immorality that was in the church, the members suing each other, the um, whatever it was, the, the divisions, the, the, the way that they took the Lord's Supper, seemed to be all these carnal issues, carnal problems. And now he comes to a question that um, maybe, you know, on the face of it, it, it's a purely a spiritual question, as it were. There's, 
What is the carnal aspect of this? Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't know the exact nature of the question, what the church in Corinth asked him. Probably, maybe it was something about should all manifest the same types of gifts or uh, what, how should we exercise these spiritual gifts? Is someone more spiritual if they have more gifts? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just speculating here the context of what sort of question they asked him. But that question prompted him through the Holy Spirit to teach about how the Spirit of God works among us in between all of us and how he brings us all together or makes it apparent that we are one body. And there's a beautiful illustration here of the body that each one of us can understand intuitively. We have a body. We know how it functions. So he starts and and says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this way of the working of the Spirit. And the same way, too. We ought not to be ignorant. And and just let me be clear here. Verse 2 makes it clear, my friend outside of Christ, you are ignorant of how the Spirit of God works among the members. Verse 2 says, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Whatever you knew in your former life is of no value or consequence to the working of the Spirit in the church among believers. It's no, um, there's no prior opex, or as we would say in the industry, about how God's Spirit works in the church based on your life outside of Christ. It's because this is all based on your new life inside Christ, all the things that you've learned since and as you became a Christian. The, the process of repentance that you went through as you subjected yourself, as you let go of the things that you thought were so important and uh, humbled yourself and your concept of whatever you thought you were, as you uh, confessed that to other people and it may be a humiliating, maybe even what you thought was a degrading way, but then you realized honored the Lord and, and Savior of your soul. Uh, those lessons you learn, those are the things that inform the working of the Spirit among members. That you learn God's graciousness, how good he is to you in so many ways, in so many days. As, as we uh, had that recent topic on God's merciness, uh, mercy, mercifulness, his mercy, let's just leave it at that, his mercy and his faithfulness. Those are the lessons that you learn And my friend outside of Christ, who have not truly seen Christ as the Savior of your soul, are not willing to confess that, um, you don't have a a real means to understand how this works. You can maybe understand it intellectually, but that's not where this operates. That's not how the Spirit of God works among us, not as an intellectual exercise. And we have to be careful that as we meet together, as we discuss God's Word, it doesn't devolve into an intellectual exercise or, or something that just engages us on a head level, though we need to use our heads, definitely but it needs to engage us on all levels, right? And here's a little, simple little rule he gives right at the beginning of this. So in order to discern the working of the Spirit among us and in us, simple rule, is Christ glorified? Is he honored? No man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Conversely, no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Simple rule. And you know what? sad to say, Churches, many churches at many times, us included, I'm sure, have forgotten that simple rule where Christ has not been glorified in whatever the activity was, whatever the exercise was, Christ became dim. He was not clearly upheld. And uh, that simple test was missed. So those simple things, as, as, you, as we try to discern the working of the Spirit, how he works among us, how we ought to behave uh, with each other, 
we have, we have to ask, is Christ being honored and glorified? Because there are many different ways that God's Spirit works among us. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are different diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I don't, it's a very subtle thing, but I don't know if you noticed in that, that's a specific mention of the Trinity, the Spirit, the Lord, Jesus Christ, and God, all manifested in diverse ways, gifts, administrations, and here administrations probably means ministry, specific, uh, maybe ongoing and continuing offices maybe in the church or activities that are ongoing, continuing ministries and diversities of operations, and the word operations here is uh, related to the Greek, uh, same word where we get the word energy from. So things, happenings, activities that happen. So maybe spontaneous things or things that don't happen all the time, but those are also workings of the Spirit, things that, uh, that happen spontaneously as, as we are led. The, the working of the Spirit manifests itself in many different ways, and let's not think it's certain offices in the church and certain things uh, that we've always done a certain way, that that is the working of the Spirit in totality. That's part of it. it the, the apostle's clear as he describes the different offices, different uh, workings, uh, different functions in the church. That's part of the working of the Spirit, but it's not just that. It's diversities of operations, of gifts that are manifested in the lives of particular believers as they're given special particular gifts. And he goes on to describe some of these. You know, For one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, another the word of knowledge, uh, the working of the Spirit as it involves the influencing of others, as it involves the affecting of others, right? As we speak this, as we, um, gifts of healing, right? As I said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to abide forever with us in whatever state, and wherever we find us, beginning of our life as, as believers all the way to the end. But how he works at different stages in our lives as we interact with different members is gonna change. It's gonna be different. It's gonna manifest itself in different ways. Don't ever think you have a certain label that this is the way that God wants you to, to use you for all time. The key thing to remember in all this is that all these worketh that one in the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It is the one spirit working for the one purpose, to bless everyone, to, to, to help them to grow. And, and I have to think, um, how much do I really desire, um, not in some vague kind of general feel-good way, the spiritual well-being of you, my brother and sister? I just, I want you to do well, you have a good life and attend church regularly and um, um, be pleasant and we'll have a nice conversation. How much do I desire God's rich and deep working in your life to manifest uh, his, his glory in a specific way in you? And how specific do I want to be about that? How much do I want to get involved with you specifically? Um, I'm, I'm like a, a little baby in that category and I am encouraged and inspired by the brothers that and sisters that are so much further along that path of desiring good spiritual good in the lives of their fellow brothers and sisters the Lord has a lot to do to help me go in that way and I think he does for many of us too how much do we really desire the spiritual welfare of our brothers and sisters 
in a specific way, not in some vague feel-good, I want you to do well, have a good life. And the illustration that, that the, the apostle develops now in a, in, a, in a full and complete way that makes us think about a lot of different aspects of it is this illustration of the body. We all we understand it. We have one body, right? I, I don't, unless you have some weird dissociative order where your hand doesn't feel like it's part of you. You've got one body. It functions as one. You, you, know, you don't think about your different body parts doing different things unless you, maybe I'm doing some flooring yesterday and I, I know my knees exist now, right? The body, it's amazingly made. It's one organism. It works uh, in, a, in an amazing way. And when, you know, all is well, all is well. We've all experienced that. We've all been at that place. And when all is not well, we've, we've also, in some form or other, been at that place too. We understand that there's a particular... My mucous membranes are just driving me crazy in the month of June because of hay fever. So I, I'm acutely aware of that part of my body. So we understand this picture. And the apostle says, here's a, here's a bigger picture. And I think when these illustrations are given, sometimes we kind of invert them and say, oh, that's a good analogy. But have you ever thought, just like marriage is supposed to be a picture, it's supposed to point to a deeper reality, the real reality. The real reality is not my body. It's the real reality, my body's going to fade, it's going to, you know, I'm going to get old. I already feel the, the middle tire uh, starting here, growing. It's, that's not the real reality. You know, it fades and it goes so quickly. The real reality is God's body, the Church of Christ. The real reality is not my temporary marriage, that, you know, one day one of us will pass away uh, if the Lord doesn't come soon, and our marriage will be over, it'll be done. The real reality is the marriage of Christ and the church. Let's not, when we see these analogies, kind of invert them and think, wow, that's a nice picture. There's a bigger picture here that we're maybe missing or we're just scratching the surface of. So as we consider this illustration, the bigger picture is the body that, of, of all believers in Christ that one day will all be around that table with him, enjoying his presence forevermore. Uh, that's the real reality, not, not this body. So, if you are tempted, and I know you all are tempted at one time or other um, to, to feel like you're not part of the body, like you, um, you know, life is just, I'm a kind of proceeding at pace, and it seems like my, my little sh boat here is drifting downstream, and like, I'm not with anyone else. I'm not doing much. I'm not get, receiving much. Where am I going? You are part of the body. God has put you in the body. Uh, the body. Just because you are um, not at this moment engaged in some very visible, active, whatever role it is or, or function, um, doesn't mean that, that you're any less part of the body. Just because the hand says, I'm not the eye, doesn't mean he's not part of the body. He is equally part of the body. Think about it. There are parts of your body that you'd never see, you'd never... We, didn't know about medically until, I don't know, a couple centuries ago, maybe less. But they're really important. If you didn't have them, you wouldn't be around. Your liver, your pancreas, whatever. There are parts of our body, and in just the same way, the body of Christ has members and 
functions and things that, that are going on that we don't understand. And even if we kind of understand on a superficial level what's going on, on a spiritual level, we don't understand deeper what's how God is working one thing through another person, how he's exercising and, and, and testing you, brother and sister, with that other brother and sister, how he's developing those gifts in you of patience, of discernment, of, 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 of love, of forbearance. Um, we often don't understand how this body is working and ticking and, and going and moving together. And let's not ever get trapped in the idea to think, oh, well, I'm, I'm not really part of the body. And conversely, my brother and sister, don't ever get trapped into thinking that, that the member, the, the brother and sister that's drifting is no longer part of the body. Don't give up on him. Don't think, that's it. They've, they've cut themselves off. That's it, you know. There's scripture that, that makes it clear when that happens, when someone rejects the whole church or, or whatever it is. That there's plenty of scripture addressing that. But in your heart and in your mind, don't give up on someone just because you're disappointed with them or how they've reacted to something or how they're, they're living, uh, to write them off. They are just still as much, a, maybe they're an ailing part of the body. There's a part of the body that's hurting, right? Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. They are still part of the body. They're still a part that is causing the body pain and needs to be helped to function better. It's not a matter of, we'll just, we'll let that uh, leg wither and die. We don't need him. You know, but there is a warning in here in this. Verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. You know, in, in our physical bodies, if you have a part of your body that does not supply anything to the rest of the body, that's called cancer. You're just taking in the nutrients and you're growing and eventually you're gonna cause death and harm. So that's a serious warning also too. If the Spirit's speaking to you this morning or any other time you open the Word of God and convicts you that you are not supplying what God is wanting you to supply and not working the way he's wanting to work in the body, realize that, that you can actually cause harm to the body, cause division. That's not God's intent. It's not his purpose. There should be no schism in the body. The members should have the care. It should be going both ways. And maybe part of what it is is we need to supply uh, care to that member that is suffering, that is, that is weak, that, is, uh, that needs it, and encourage them in turn to care for other members. And as part of that, that healing and that re-functioning of the body, the reworking of the body, we need to see that holistically. So I think maybe the, the question this morning is, are we fine on an independent, you know, in a, to live independent, isolated lives? Oh, clearly not. We may think so, and, and God may have to, he may be merciful and gracious enough to bring something in our lives to show via our physical needs or our emotional needs that we do need the body. He may be gracious enough to bring it, but at all times in our life as Christians, we have a spiritual need for the body to be exercised as a member in that body. We cannot be trapped into the, the lie, the, the, the foolish lie of thinking, um, an independent life is, is God's purpose for me. It's an interdependent life. It's a life that depends on and supplies the needs of others. 
Um, Kezi and I were discussing this week. Uh, she'd read an interesting article, and it resonated with her because of her own, her family's own experience was about um, orphans in Romania. Um, so I'm, I'm sure some of you know the history better than I do, but in the 80s and 90s, I believe, the dictator of, of Romania, Ceausescu, had the, the idea, we need to increase the birth rate. We need, to, uh, we need more people in Romania. We need to make our nation stronger. And so there was these massive incentives uh, for, you know, if you had over 10, ch 10 children or over, you got some big bonus or whatever. Basically what it did to the society was increase the number of orphans. It was a huge problem in, in Romania. And, and there were huge institutions created. And uh, this, this article, I didn't read it, but Kezia did. These institutions were horrific. You know, kids that, that they basically had no parental, uh, excuse me, parental input or, or uh, care from their early age. You know, it was just, you know, put them in a cage basically and put food, give them food to some, some of them. But just, just horrible situations where they didn't, they didn't even know how to relate to adults in a loving way uh, or other children. It follows the particular story of one, one boy that was adopted by a family and the problems they went through with that boy. Um, <clears throat> just, they adopted him at, like at age two. And the, I, the, the family was uh, neurosurgeons or neuroscientists, so they, they kind of knew brain-wise what was happening. And even at that age, age of two, maybe he was older, maybe he was four, the problems that he had as a result of not having that love and that care of a, of a mother and a father holding and caring, they were huge and lifelong. And I don't, in all this, I don't need, mean to minimize or discount the grace of God. God works miracles. Kezia knows that in her family too, how um, children that basically came in those circumstances, when they gave their lives to the Lord, what a change it made. And it actually did heal, there was healing. But those children that have not, did not, have not done that yet, those problems are still, they're battling, going on through. Anyway, big long uh, uh, illustration to, to show, in some ways, this is a, a sort of illustration of us, is if we are not part of a functioning body as Christians, in terms of our spiritual development, we may be like those orphan, Romanian orphan kids that, that are stunted emotionally and, and have real difficulties because we have not been given that care and attention uh, through a functioning body of believers, there, there are real consequences to that. And God is able to supply, it's clear. Believers in prison who basically saw very few, one or two other believers in years and years, God supplied their needs. God is, is greater than all that. But that story reminded me a little bit of, you know what? There is something that's happening here spiritually as we supply, as we work as in a body among each other that affects the spiritual life and vitality of young ones and old ones. And we need to be aware of that. We need to desire it. We need to hunger for it. And I think another thing as, as we consider this is that the body of Christ is universal. There is one body. The scripture is very clear on that. There's one body in Christ. He knows that body, and that body is over all the earth from every nation and tribe and tongue and kindred. But what we read here and what we read in other passages, that working of the Spirit, it needs a local body an identifiable body that you can work that out in, that that can be worked out in you. It's not enough to receive the spirit over mass media, as it were. 
to, to have some broadcast distribution. And I have been blessed. I have been blessed and encouraged in my walk as a Christian by believers that I've never met, uh, spiritual believers that, uh, um, that are not part of our church, that whether through writings or through testimonies or whatever, um, the Lord has blessed me specifically. And that is a working of his body. Let's not discount that at all. That is his spirit working but to fulfill New Testament scripture, to live this in a real way to the watching world around us, we need a local body. We need brothers and sisters that know us, that live with us. And we also know that being local is not enough in that sense, you know. Living in approximately close to each other is not enough. We need to be open with each other. We need to be um, willing to, to live as a body that supplies the needs of its members as the head works all that out. Uh, I think we need to, to realize that and value it. And I, I don't think it's a matter of, of rules and regulations, a matter of let's enforce this or that, let's, let's crack down on this or that. It's a matter of me listening to God's spirit in my quiet time as he brings the faces and the lives of my dear brothers and sisters before me and reminds me of different things. I haven't done this for a long time. I've been avoiding that for a long time. I have a concern about this or I have a concern about that. And reaching out and then having God move me along in that way. Do I hunger for that and do I desire it? Because really, the next chapter shows clearly this is just like the outer wrapping, as it were. This is just the vessel for the real treasure of love, that charity, I show you a better way, that, that, that pouring of love among members that really is what God intended. We need to realize that and desire it and, and see it and not just leave it at a generality. I don't have too much more to add to this topic other than to encourage you that the Lord has already made this a present reality. He's done the work. He has set the members in the body as it pleased him. He has made the body. It's not a matter of us having to self-assemble ourselves together like some autonomous robot or whatever. God has set the body. We just need to remember that fact. We need to recognize it, realize it, rejoice in it uh, and and that passions in ephesians 4 they mentioned at the beginning about you know lie not one to another because you're members one of another it's just a reminder just stop lying don't, don't deceive each other because you are part of the same body it's a fact it's true because of this don't maintain a facade don't pull back don't live in isolation and independence because you are part if you claim the name of christ and you believe in him and believe that he has saved you you are part of the body and you need to manifest that. You need to believe it. You need to let that happen in, in your life and uh, in the lives of our local brothers and sisters here. May the Lord do that. I'm sure he can. I'm sure it's his desire. The only thing standing in the way is, is many times is you and I with our desire for comfort or desire for ease. May the Lord bless this word. May he through his spirit supply all that that we need to hear.